What's going on, everyone? This is Adrian Machado with the AM Boxing Show. Welcome. So, we're going to get right into it. Many of you know the rematch happened between Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. And I don't know if for any of you who follow me on Facebook and Twitter, I actually was right with my result. I called, but I was off by four rounds. I had predicted a Fury TKO in the third round, but it ended up happening all the way in the seventh round. So I was about four rounds off. Now I gotta admit, I was very surprised with how many, how many boxing so-called boxing experts chose Wilder and chose Wilder by knockout. I think the only one that I know of that chose Fury was Juan Manuel Marquez of ESPN Deportes. He chose Fury by decision. And I was really, really surprised. Max Kellerman kind of alluded to he wouldn't be surprised if Fury did win. He said he wouldn't be surprised, quote-unquote, by anything that happens. But I was pretty rest assured that Fury was going to win this fight. And the reason why was I saw the fight happening in two scenarios. I saw the fight happening where Fury would knock him out early, or Fury would probably find a way to knock him out um, uh, later on. Now, but I always saw Fury TKO. Now, the reason why I thought that was two scenarios. Here's why. If you remember in the first fight, um, Tyson fought, Fury got knocked down twice, but he fought the whole fight from the outside. He Fury didn't did his normal boxing routine and he outboxed Deontay Wilder. I thought he clearly won the first fight, even though he got knocked down twice. But with the two knockdowns, this happened to save Wilder and get a draw. But in that fight, he got to Deontay Wilder consistently with his punches. And in that 12th round where many people thought Fury wouldn't get up after he was knocked down and what seemed to be clearly out by Deontay Wilder, after Fury got up, he hit Wilder with an overhand right that had Wilder shaken and Wilder pretty much fought the whole rest of the round backing up. After seeing that round, I said to myself, "Okay, he can get to he can get to Deontay Wilder consistently," and he got to him throughout most of the fight. So I said to myself, "Okay, he could already get to him. Why can he not knock him out?" Well, when he hired Sugar Hill, that was ultimately the the key that started set, setting me off, saying, "Okay, he's probably going to knock him out this time." Because why else would he hire Sugar Hill? Now, if you know Kronk boxing, if you're familiar with the Emmanuel Stewart way of fighting, it's very offensive-minded. And anytime Emmanuel Stewart has had a big heavyweight, if you think back, Lennox Lewis, Vladimir Klitschko, whenever they fought a big man their size, who, if, who was either their size when it came to height, or if not bigger, that strategy always seemed to be the same. Go after him really quickly. Go after him and test the chin out and see if they can hang out, hang for the next few rounds and they can withstand the onslaught. If you look back to Lennox Lewis's fight with Michael Grant, Michael Grant was six foot seven and he was 
Well, he ran about 240 pounds. He was a muscular specimen, but he couldn't really fight that much. And Lewis found that out quickly. He, Manuel Stewart told him to go right after him. And Lewis went after him, got him out in two rounds. Same thing with Andrew Galata. Andrew Galata was a, about six foot four, about maybe an inch shorter than Lennox Lewis. Also a big man with long reach. And um, showed in the, his two fights with Riddick Bowe that he can box too. So what, didn't he, what was the strategy for Lennox Lewis? Manuel Stewart told him to get go right after Galata, see if he can hang it, hang with you. And Galata couldn't hang out, and he got knocked out in the first round. So after seeing that, I, I said to myself, "Okay, he Sugar Hill is going to ask him to employ that same style. He's going to come right after Wilder and see if Wilder can withstand the onslaught. He's going to have Fury come right after him." That was my first scenario. That's why I went with scenario one, because I didn't think Wilder would handle the onslaught. Wilder's been, he's been hit hard on the chin and has shown to be wobbly a couple times. Back in his early days, he got knocked out cold by David Hay in sparring. So that chin hasn't really been tested by a heavy puncher. And another thing, Tyson Fury came in at 273 pounds, probably the heaviest of his career, I believe. So he and made a mention that he was going to put on extra muscle so he can have so he can really sit down on his shots. I and that's how I saw the fight playing out. He was going to come right after Wilder, sit down more on his shots and get him out of there in three rounds. The second scenario, I I said that if that didn't work and for some reason Wilder did withstand the onslaught, I thought that if he withstood the onslaught, Sugar Hill would employ Fury to use all 273 pounds to fight, the, keep the fight close. Because if you know Deontay Wilder, he has that big right hand, but he needs distance to land that big right hand. If he doesn't have distance from you, he can't get leverage on that big right hand and generate the power from his legs to land it. Just like he did to Dominic Brazil and put Brazil to sleep immediately. So, I thought to myself, well, how do you fight a big man who needs range and who needs to be on the outside in order to generate his power? Well, you fight him on the inside. You have to catch, you have to get inside on him and then beat him up on the inside. Well, we haven't seen Wilder's inside game. We haven't seen, we don't even know if he has an inside game. He's never had to use it. And if you watch his last fight with Luis Ortiz, he was losing every single round until he knocked him out. And, you know, Wilder had been always playing with house money. If you watch the Gerard Washington fight, he was losing that fight too, in my opinion. And the first Luis Ortiz fight, even though the judges had him ahead, I thought Ortiz was clearly winning that fight, even though he got knocked down. So Wilder, for me, was always very, very much playing with house money with that right with that right hand. I mean, granted, it is the ultimate eraser, but it, there was going to come a time where it wouldn't work. And I thought Sugar Hill would employ Tyson Fury to get in on the inside. We, he, he got on the inside so many times in fight number one. So I thought in scenario two, he would tell Tyson Fury to get in on the inside, put your head on his chest and beat up his body, beat him up on the inside, fight him on the inside. That way you minimize Deontay Wilder's power because when you're fighting at close range, he can't generate the, the amount of power that he can from the outside. And then he also has to learn to fight inside. 
did, does he know how to fight inside? N- not nowhere near to the level of Tyson Fury, who's as skilled a boxer as there is, especially for the heavyweights. So I figured he, in scenario two, if he survived the onslaught, he, Fury would get in on the inside, beat up his body, beat him up completely on the inside, and then use an interesting tactic, all 270 pounds in the clinch and laying on top of Deontay Wilder, tiring him out consistently in every single round and then getting him out of there late. Well, what ended up happening was scenario two ended up happening. Fury got on the inside and immediately started beating up Deontay Wilder's body, head, and he, and then at times he fought him from the outside. And then when the knockdown came in the third round, that was from the outside. It was quick right hand to the side of the ear. And it seemed like Deontay Wilder never composed himself from there. So I didn't expect... Tyson Fury to have so much success from the outside again like he did this time. He seemed to employ a lot more tactics in this fight and um but he did use all 273 pounds to his advantage like I predicted. He in every single clinch he laid on top of him. He laid on top of Deontay Wilder consistently tiring him out. He got him in constant headlocks and you can guarantee, you know, a typical veteran move in that situation is to squeeze a slight bit to cut off the circulation of blood flow to the brain. So count if you watch the fight, count how many times Fury put Wilder in a headlock. It was quite a number. I don't have the exact number, but it was quite a bit. So a lot of veteran tactics were used to tire Deontay Wilder out. And then finally, he got him out of there in round seven, late. So, you know, I, what the scenario that I had predicted, which was scenario number one, didn't end up happening. But scenario two did end up happening a lot more. And Tyson Fury had his way with him. And I don't see Deontay Wilder ever beating him. I mean, unless he can land that lucky shot, that lucky right hand. But, you know, now, if you're just tuning in a lot more, Deontay Wilder has exercised his rematch clause to fight a third fight with Fury. And from what Bob Arum said, they're targeting that one for July the 10th. So I think it's a big mistake. If I'm Deontay Wilder, I'd sit back, take a vacation, take some rest, and probably fight a few tune-up fights probably fine-tune some of those skills, probably learn to have an inside game because if I'm Deontay Wilder, I have to know that in the third fight, he's going to try to get in inside on him just like he did in this fight. I mean, if I were Tyson Fury, I really wouldn't change a whole, whole lot. The only thing I'd probably do is do what I mentioned in scenario one is come right after him and see if he can withstand the onslaught. He, he really didn't test Wilder right off the bat to see if he can withstand it. So he obviously felt confident enough that he can just get him out of there and pretty much have his way with Deontay Wilder. And he kind of did in this second fight. So if they do fight a third time, I predict a Fury TKO again. Um, will it take seven rounds? It might. I'd probably predict even, even earlier. Deontay Wilder is not a technical boxer. He doesn't have a lot of good technical ability. He just has the ultimate eraser punch that can come in at any time but when you have just one punch 
and you have a quick first step like Deontay Wilder has, I mean, that'll work. That'll work, but that only gets you so far. And with somebody as skilled as Tyson Fury, I, I don't see a good future with Deontay Wilder unless he makes some serious, serious adjustments. And just watching both fights, I mean, all the advantages are in Tyson Fury's favor. So I'd really more would like to see Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua, even though I right now my early prediction would be a Tyson Fury win. Um, Anthony Joshua is an Olympic gold medalist. He is very technical. He knows how to box from the outside. He's also very big. He's very strong. He knows how to put his punches together. Um, but I would have to favor Fury as of right now. That could change as we get closer. And, you know, I know, normally don't like to make my predictions until after I see the weigh-in, after I know pretty much all the logistics, pretty much the day before the fight or the morning of the fight. So, it's... If I'm Deontay Wilder, I'd probably fight some some contenders to kind of fine-tune myself, get some rounds in, and and pretty much develop my craft a little bit more because right now, going right to Tyson Fury, I mean, I admire him. That It shows such great character, but it's things are not going to go good for him. It, it, he may get knocked out even quicker this time. So, I mean, now Tyson Fury has two two fights of knowledge in his memory bank of what what you fight like. And he knows that you he can knock you out. So it's only going to make him more confident. Now, granted, Deontay Wilder has the same amount of knowledge too, but he hasn't really done all that well. I mean, he, other than the two knockdowns, he hasn't really made a dent into Tyson Fury at all. If anything, people... Deontay Wilder said going into the rematch that he felt that Tyson Fury... He was in Tyson Fury's head. Because he knew that he could, he could knock Tyson Fury out. And Fury knew it too. If anything, I thought the other way. I thought that you know Fury was in Deontay Wilder's head. Mainly because many people do not get up from that 12th round knockdown. That Deontay Wilder put on Tyson Fury. And you know Deontay Wilder said it in, on the Joe Rogan podcast. That he's amazed that he got up from that. He didn't expect him to get up from that. So when you're a fighter that ex- that ha- that is known for your ultimate erase- ultimate eraser punch, and that eraser doesn't erase the opponent, and he gets back up, that takes a mental toll on you, and you say, "Okay, this was supposed to work. This did not work. Why didn't it work?" And you begin to question, "Okay, what do I have to do to really knock him out?" I I hit him with a perfect right hand, and then a left hook going down. He was supposed to stay down, and he didn't stay down. So what am I going to have to hit him with? You begin to start doubting your power, whether it's as powerful as you once thought it was. So if anything, I think that played into Fury's hands more than anything else because he showed he can take it. And in this fight, he wasn't able to land the right hand. Even when he did land it, it seemed to graze Tyson Fury, and Fury seemed to take it. That takes a mental toll on a fighter who is... So relying on his power like a fighter like Deontay Wilder is. Okay, so I don't see I don't see a good future with him if he fights Tyson Fury a third time immediately. I mean, normally in these types of situations, you want to take a tune-up. You want to work your way back up to it, build your confidence back up. Now, um, and, but anything happened. Anything happened. This is boxing. And Deontay Wilder has... One hell of a big right hand. And if he lands that thing, it could be good night. 
So, you know, it would not surprise me if Deontay Wilder ever just landed that right hand and won. But right now, the way this is going, I think it's all Fury all the time. And right now, you, he is considered the he should be considered the best heavyweight. Now there are some other good heavyweights out there that I like to see him against. I'd like to see him in the ring against Joseph Parker. I'd love to I'd love to see him against Anthony Joshua, so we can finally have an undisputed heavyweight champion. But the way this is going, we'll probably get Wilder Fury three in July, and probably not get Joshua um, versus Fury if Fury wins, which I think he will. We probably won't get that until like late this year, which is a long way away, at least for me it is, because I definitely would love to see an undisputed heavyweight champion. But there's also talk that they might pay Wilder some money to step aside, and um, Anthony Joshua's mandatory, Kubret Puliev, some step aside money so they can make this fight with Tyson Fury. We'll see. We'll see what happens. And as we get closer, there are going to be more updates. I'm going to have another episode talking about some of the fights this this past weekend. Chocolatito Gonzalez, he just proved again why he is a Hall of Famer. And he had a great performance, so did Mikey Garcia. So I'll be back to soon to talk about talk about those couple fights and some of the fights that we have coming up. Until then, um, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you soon.